This is an 18 Maiden Lane production. Content warning for this episode, we do talk about abuse and murder. Hello and welcome to Heavenly Features, a weekly podcast where your two hosts, Sophie and Kim... Hey, how's it going? uh, ...get together every week to talk about films. We take it in turns to uh, nominate films that we are going to be talking about. Um, And today it's my turn. Yes, it is. So what what film did you pick for us this week, Sophie? Uh, so this week I chose 1944's uh, Gaslight, which is a psychological thriller directed by George Cukor and is based on Patrick Hamilton's 1938 play of the same name. Uh, the film stars Charles Boyer, um, Ingrid Bergman, Joseph Cotton and Angela Lansbury in her silver screen debut. Um, and Ingrid Bergman won her first Academy Award for this film as well. So uh, the film centres on Paula Alquist, a young woman haunted by the murder of her aunt, uh, who experiences a whirlwind romance with Gregory Anton in Italy. She marries him and returns to live in the house where her aunt was murdered. Here she uh, slowly starts to lose her sanity, or does she? Uh, The etymological uh, origin of the term gaslight um, is from this film. Um, And so this film explores uh, the manipulating and controlling abuse of an individual with the intent of making that person question their sanity and reality. Uh, This was a film which I had wanted to watch forever, um, ever since I realised that this is where the kind of modern term comes from. Um, And thankfully... Uh, despite taking a punt on recommending this film, uh, which I hadn't seen before, um, I was really fascinated by it and really enjoyed it. What did you think of it? Yeah, I I was the same. So it's one that obviously I knew that this is where the term came from and it had been on my list because I procrastinate like yourself. So hadn't watched <laughs> it. Um, but yeah, I so I didn't realise it was a play until after I'd watched it. But the whole time watching it, I was like, oh, this would make a good play. Like, yeah, because the stage tricks you could do with the gaslights and the noise. I was like, oh, this would be so creepy as a play. And then obviously I was Mm. like, oh, it's because it was based on a play. Um, It did feel very. Yeah. Also, there's like lots of um, the fact that lots of it happens in the house means that you only need to have like one or two sets um, or very few sets. So it makes sense that it was originally a play. It doesn't, it's not one of those um, films that you see where it feels like you're just watching a play on screen. It's been very successfully adapted, I think. Oh, yeah. But you can see where the origin is. Yeah. I was, yeah, I was watching it and I was like, oh, there's stuff you could do with the like gas lamps on stage and the like, the noises noises that you hear. I was like, that would be so good in a play. And then I looked it up and I was like, ah, that's why. Yeah. So this film is also um, based on a 1940 British version of the film. So it was originally adapted from the screenplay onto uh, into a, a British film, uh, which I haven't seen. So I'd be intrigued to see if that also reads in a similar way and how similar this film is to the British version, which was released four or five years before. Um, and the British version like, was based on the play and came out soon after the play about two years i think yeah. after the after the play and i believe at one point um mgm who made the 1944 version that we're going to talk about today actually tried to um kind of squash the the british version of the um film because they wanted uh, obviously more attention on their their own version with their uh stars in so um i don't know how oh, easy Hollywood. it is 
I know. I don't know how easy it is to find a copy of the original. Um, so I'd be intrigued because I really enjoyed this film and I'd like to maybe, maybe not like in the next week or two, but at some point, um, maybe watch the British one and see what differences there are um, and if there are any major changes um, to the plot or, or the story or the circumstances of the characters. Yeah, absolutely. I'd also love to see this as a play. Yeah. Oh, it'd be I would brilliant. absolutely love to see this as a play. It would, I think it would be so good. I wonder if um, it has been put on stage since like, like since. 1938 or since the film came out. Yeah, that would be fun to see. Like or like when the last one was that it, that it showed like how mm. how long ago it was. Cuz I'm I sure s- like you would put it on after the film came out. I would. If I was the producer of the play and the film came out and got like Oscar nominated, Mm. and won some oscars i'd be like and we're just gonna put this back on (laughs) maybe (laughs) i did i'm not sure actually i mean i know they did a radio play of it which was very popular at the time Mm. um because a lot of uh, tv actually ended up coming out of radio plays i love lucy came out of radio plays um so i think or you know that kind of radio teledrama style thing um so I, i i understand that that happened but i don't know yeah if it went back to the stage or not yeah, so. I think I, that would be fascinating to know. Um, <laughs> but it's not something that I looked up, so... <laughs> no, me neither. Uh, so this is a well-researched episode. Um, <laughs> As always. Uh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, when it started, I must admit, I found it a little bit slow um, to yes. start with. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't really until they returned to the house um, in London that I felt like the pace started picking up but before then we do meet a character that I really flipping fell in love with which was uh, Bloodthirsty Bessie um... <laughs> that's literally that's literally my first note is Bloodthirsty Bessie and then in brackets I love a murder <laughs> yeah honestly I wrote down um, is she the OG true crime fanboy <laughs> Right? Because she is obsessed with, like, uh, when we are introduced to her, she's reading this salacious novel, which has loads of murders happening in it. And she's like, oh, my God. Ooh. And then uh, she lives on the same square as um, Paula um, and her Paula's aunt lived. And so she starts talking about the fact that there was this big crime, this big murder that happened at the time. And uh, once we get back to that London square later in the film, she's constantly trying to... Um, get into the house um, and see where it happened <laughs> um, I kind of love it <laughs> I yeah absolutely as much as I would despise having her as a neighbor because I'm yeah. like shut the doors leave me alone she next to uh, strawberries <laughs> oh I was outraged by that part I was like she's there chatting away to the maid and then it's like oh those are nice big juicy strawberries I never get ones that big yoink <laughs> take one for luck <laughs> bitch expensive (laughs) strawberries are she's a juicy bitch what can i say (laughs) yeah that was i was like oh she she's one of those like older women who's just like quite entitled but also in like a really nice way see her character to me uh, appeared to be quite hitchcockian in the sense that he quite likes to have slightly eccentric older ladies in his films Um, and I felt like she really fit that role, even though this is not a Hitchcock film. Um, but I felt like she kind of fitted that snoopy, death-obsessed older lady who's very prim and proper, but obsessed with death. 
But also, which... <laughs> like, the stereotypical curtain twitcher where they just sort of mm. watch everything that goes on around them and then involves themselves in everyone's business. It's so true to life. Like, I've met so many people like exactly. that. Exactly. Like, the amount... I, I, that's the only thing missing from this film, really, is uh, seeing her just peeping out of her windows um, across the square. Um, yeah. I mean, she, she even takes in the police... Um, He's not a constable, was he? Like, detective? Um, yeah. And pretends that he's her nephew or something. It's just like... I know. Oh, yeah. entering the house under false pretenses. I just love it. <laughs> oh, I absolutely love that. Like, and he's like, come on, auntie. <laughs> exactly. And then, like, skip to the end. No spoilers, really, because it doesn't really matter. But even the end, she has the last line where she's in her this woman's house just yeah. spying on them, having this romantic moment. And she's like, ooh, uh, at the end. <laughs> It's like, what are you doing upstairs? Who invited you in? I love you. (laughs) She is, like, she is very much the comic relief as well of this film. Yes. Um, Which is needed. Is needed because, (laughs) like, it's it's quite a long film. Yeah. Like, and it's quite drawn out at the beginning, which I think is kind of done on purpose in a way where it's like you can see why this woman has like fallen for this man. Cause like the, the, for example, when she's like asking for space and asking to go away to figure out what she wants. Yes. And he then turns up. Oh, it, oh my God. if it could, if it was played differently, it could be a really romantic gesture. If she hadn't said, give me fucking space. I need I know, to figure right? out. And he, she was like, Oh, I've got to go away. I'm going to miss you so much. And he turned up so romantic. If you say to someone, I need space, and they're like, sure thing. By space, do you mean me attaching myself to you? No. Oh, he just turns up. It's such a red flag. I was like, right from the beginning, this is creepy. And also, like, the way that he surprises her, as we see it, is we just see this arm come around and grab her. And she kind of looks almost terrified at first. And then she turns around and she's like, oh, my God, amazing. Um, well, yeah, because you get but that. But you get that creepy. It's so creepy, but also even if even if she wasn't happy to see him, she would have been relieved in that moment that it's not just some other random man yeah. taking her away. Like, yeah, I, I hated it. I hated. I was like, oh, <laughs> just go away. <laughs> very suffocating. Very yeah. suffocating. Um, yeah. I was not keen on that though. I did wonder because like he comes out of this room and looks at this very clearly fake. Um, set of a river um or i think it's meant to be lake isn't it it's lake como um and then he goes back into the room and she's lying in bed and i looked and i couldn't see that his side of the bed had been disturbed but i also thought he's the kind of person that would make his bed even if someone else was in it so um they fully had sex didn't they before that is such a weird observation not the sex part he's the sort of man who would make his bed even if someone else was still in it that's such a weird observation i love it but only because like he was always presentable that he you never saw him dressed down he always was dressed up in his finery or in some kind of suit you never saw him like you know casual in any sense even when he's in his pajamas he's got a big robe tied around him so in that sense i kind of i don't know i was just looking because i was like are they meant to have like had sex or something then i was like but he's literally just entering the only room possible which is her bedroom so yes they have um, and yeah. was it meant to be premarital sex or was that where they had their honeymoon? It was unclear well, when they got turned, married. If he turned up on her trip alone, that would have to be pre-marriage because not only would she 
back then have had to have like asked permission and also probably been denied to go away by herself if it was meant to be their honeymoon then they would have been going together oh salacious i know i just <laughs> i just find that fascinating that you you picked up on his it's like oh he probably he's the sort of person who would make his bed um but i think part of him being so put together is because it's all so pre-planned and i think it, it shows yes. that really well like everything about him is so finished and pre-planned and premeditated and then you see little bits that don't go quite to his plan and he loses it immediately like when he she finds the letter yes so they come back so they decide he kind of encourages her to go back to the london house and we later realize that it's under kind of false pretenses he's got something in mind that he wants to do when he's in london um and so she um kind of agrees to go back even though she's literally agreeing to go back and live in a in a house where her aunt was murdered and she as a young child witnessed um her aunt's death or or dead body it's a lot of trauma so but she allows herself to go back into it and i think that was is obviously him controlling the narrative he needs to get back into that house anyway because of his plans um that he has but also it's a way of automatically as soon as they walk in the door undermining her and making her feel vulnerable because she's going back into something that already is traumatizing he, he gets her at a weak state and then he starts to play his games which and... can i just say plays in so nicely from last week's film like take someone vulnerable yes at their but... weakest and like love bomb them put them in this scenario and then fuck them over <laughs> Yes, it is very similar to Midsummer in some ways. Yes, I guess so. It's a similar theme. Uh, and it's part of the reason I chose to watch this film because we were talking about gaslighting in that uh, film. Um, yeah. And I wanted to kind of take it back to its original root, which is from this film, um, Gaslight. Uh, but yeah, so we get um, our first kind of uh, break of character for him in that she finds in this uh book of kind of compositions of, of of classical music she finds this letter um and uh when she uh looks at it and she reads it she's never seen it before it um was dated two days before uh prior to her um aunt's murder and when she says the name um he gets enraged and so automatically this is a, probably our first indication if we didn't already go into this film knowing that he was going to uh kind of manipulate her this is probably one of our first indications that he um there's something going on there with him it's that... like the first big thing that you're like oh my uncomfortable feeling about him mm. is has been vindicated it, it's yeah you're like oh okay yeah no i these these i should trust my gut Yes. with things like this because it's obviously accurate and then they kind of go on to uh i mean he goes on to basically play these mind games on her he, like he gives her a brooch um and he says he puts in these specific details of like here's a brooch it was my mother's and my grandmother's and i want you to have it but the clasp on the back is a little bit damage we'll need to get it fixed and she's obviously you know taken in by it and wants to wear it um and he does all this kind of sleight of hand to make her feel like she's lost it and he starts kind of telling her oh you're always forgetting things you're always misplacing 
noticing things. You're a kleptomaniac. You're picking things up and taking things. Um, this happens in several scenarios. One to do with a painting that's gone missing on the wall. Uh, that has uh, that like has gone missing before. With several times. Yeah. yeah. And then he he makes her feel like like he brings the maids in and he it almost kind of puts them against her as well. Yeah. Because he even says like, oh. Are you are you satisfied with the answer that she gave, or do you want her to swear on a Bible as well? Like, and he flirts with so... one of the maids as well. Oh, it's just, like every little thing he does is so thought out and and so fucked up. Yes, like it was oh. watching this film. I was genuinely surprised how so many years later it still held up in terms of building this tension. Um, making the uh, certainly made me, but I'm sure many people watching it feel kind of anxious and vulnerable and nervous watching what was happening to yeah. this woman and feeling like, wait, I mean, I know he's the bad guy and he's doing something here, but I'm starting to question certain things about what you know their relationship or things that have happened. And it was very, I was really impressed at even so many years later. It is this impactful because there's lots of films that have been nominated for awards or that were really big back in the days. It's back in the day that don't necessarily hold up in many ways. Um, yeah. And I really felt that this one did. I feel like you could easily do this film again um, nowadays, 2022, and just do exactly the same as it was. And it basically would not be that dissimilar to how it pans out in this film like the tension and everything that builds i think the main difference between doing it then and doing it now would be the level of control the husband has as as just given as a husband i think he would have to do a little bit more work at the get-go to have that initial control over yes. the wife but there's yeah there was definitely um more of a kind of societal understanding that you sought approval from your husband to I had to ask permission for everything and mm. yeah yeah i think i think though the 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 basis for this film is such a universal experience like yeah like being gaslit is something that does happen and i know that we throw the term around more loosely nowadays um, sometimes I think sometimes uh, people kind of catch on with a word and want to use it to explain everything but it's the fact that this is a term that is still relevant and prevalent today um, is still being used to describe horrible situations uh, the fact that really it's only been in recent decades that um, this kind of abuse has actually been highlighted as actual abuse, like specifically, um, is really important. And there's a, it's one of those difficult situations where it's really obvious when somebody is, you know, hitting someone or saying horrible things to them all the time to say that's abuse. Um, but when someone is just being kind of manipulated and controlled, it's very hard to sometimes obviously see that, whether you're from the outside or maybe, you know, definitely somebody from the inside of that situation. If there, if people are making you question your own sanity, it's such a tough thing. Like, how do you come back from that? Like, I know I, I've had it before, like personally, where people have made me question my own sanity over things. And I'm like, no, this did happen. 
like I know this happened and then you do turn around and be like am I wrong am I have I invented this whole scenario like yeah or like so memories you that you yourself. have memories that you have that uh people debate and I know that we kind of all kind of remember things from our own perspectives and sometimes they will be um you know uh skewed warped. by our own and warped by our own perspectives but when people tell you flat outright that certain things didn't happen that you know happened and things like mm-hmm. that that sort of thing still happens even like in in a, a minor way within friends and family you people can question and that feeling of not being able to fully trust your own thoughts your own memories your own feelings about something i think that's why this film still holds up because it's such a uh i would say contemporary but i think just generally um such a what's the right word um like universal yeah universal and like um ever present um concept that people throughout the ages probably unfortunately have experienced I think that's the reason why it this film, even though obviously it's in black and white, it's set in the Victorian era. Um, it, it, you know, the the style of acting is potentially a little different than what we might expect from style of acting nowadays. Um, I still felt like it was incredibly modern and important film. Yeah, absolutely. And and to to go off the point of of it being like a universal uh, situation, um, one thing I did find recently i heard someone say on social media um like you know when people deny abuse and deny situations that have happened which is is gaslighting um what someone said oh uh well for you that was like such a big situation like that was a formative situation for you but for the person that's like abusing you or whatever for them that's just a tuesday yeah it can be and it's like that one. So it, it gaslighting in general takes on all of these different forms, whether it be denying your reality or forcing you to think that you are losing your mind. Mm. Like, and I think this film shows that side of it really well. The, 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 you're losing your perspective on reality because you're being told constantly that things are not as they seem. So yes, the, the you, gaslight is not going down. You don't hear those noises at night. No one else is seeing that. Yeah, and your your hard of hearing maid isn't hearing things, but she hasn't necessarily told you she's hard of hearing. Exactly. Like, we know she's hard of hearing because we saw someone trying to talk to her outside. But does that... And it's like, explained at the beginning to the other maid. Yeah. Um, but is she's that... Deaf. In what I found was honestly one of the most hilarious scenes. <laughs> I don't think it was meant to be, but Angela Lansbury's got this very, very strong um, Cockney accent going on, um, a kind of East End accent, and she's like, "Hello," um, and then he's like, "Oh, she's like deaf, or she's hard of hearing," and she goes, "Hello," <laughs> really loud. It really made me cackle. Um, and her accent, I mean, it was her first film, but oh, it really brought joy, even when she was being kind of slightly creepy and. Um, not the nicest of characters and seemingly um, enjoying having a more a, you know a, a more intimate relationship with her boss um, and pitting herself against um, Paula um, but I, I still I felt like she was a really great character 
regardless of yeah. the accent. <laughs> Firstly, yes, and also just a little bit of Angela Lansbury appreciation. Like, oh, she's a I fucking know. goddess. This was her first <laughs> film as well, which is insane. She like I thought she was really good. Like, I think, her, I mean... her first two films. This is her first one, which was Academy nominated uh, for several things. The her second film was National Velvet which was a film that brought um, Elizabeth Taylor to like the wider knowledge. It's a, it's a film about horses. Your sister would love it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she would. She would. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, these are two like iconic remembered films that she starred in. Um, and it never ceases to kind of slightly freak me out seeing young Angela Lansbury as well, because in my lifetime, I'm so used to seeing her as an older woman. Um, that yeah it's so bizarre going back and watching these older films and seeing her uh, as a younger person that's true because like growing up she was always sort of at that age like she was always that like older murder woman she wrote for, for for so long of our childhood yeah murder she wrote and like everything else we watched the teapot in, in beauty and it the was Beast. always her after a certain point yes yeah but like so seeing her here, I was just like, oh, that's so, like, and you can tell it's her immediately. Even if, even if you didn't know it was her, you're like, oh, I know that face so yeah. well. Like yes. I grew up with that face. But then you're also like, what are you doing going out and having like these like rendezvous? Being, and being all like, sensual. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, oh, hello. All right. This is a different side of you. What I Didn't love, <laughs> what I love about watching old films, at least the ones I've seen with Angela Lansbury, is this: in my mind, she's a quaint, slightly murder-obsessed old woman. Because um, <laughs> obviously, I'm thinking about murder she wrote. But um, in old films, I love seeing her as the bad guy, yeah. um, and she played it quite a few times. And there's something about the fact that she kind of looks quite angelic, um, and yet she has she plays evil so well. Um, I well, just, I think, oh, I just I, loved her. I think she's just actually incredibly talented. I think she is. <laughs> like, yeah. And, she is yeah, a I, living legend. Absolutely. Uh, and we must protect her at all costs. <laughs> oh, definitely. Definitely. Um, yeah. One thing I also found really astonishing, and I'm so glad that she was kind of awarded for her performance in this, was uh, Ingrid Bergman. I thought she was fantastic in this role because she often played really strong women in a lot of her films and uh but this one she had to play somebody who was from the beginning quite weak and vulnerable and susceptible to being preyed upon um by somebody um and also in the era of and i love it but the era of the uh melodrama this was not that melodramatic um, I felt it was very understated, her performance, at lots of times. Um, it was still very yeah. much a performance of the 1940s, but imagine Betty Davis doing this, and I love the bitch, but it would have been very big, her, her performance, wouldn't it? Because um, that was her style of acting. Um, and I felt this was very understated by comparison to how other actresses may have, have taken on the role at the time. Oh, I agree. There was so many subtle looks and subtle like intakes of breath. Yeah that like on top of there was some big moments of her like yes. really being very dramatic about the whole thing um 
but there was these little subtle looks and these subtle turns away yes and 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 intakes of breath that i was like oh okay i see why the academy was like yes queen <laughs> like, I, I i felt like this was a master class in showing that vulnerability um in mm-hmm. the i mean i know the style of acting may not be 100% what we would do nowadays though actually i don't think it's that far away um from kind of some modern performances but uh th- that moment when they go to the party and he does he's he's planned you even see it earlier uh, how he's going to manipulate her at the party he's planned that he has broken his pocket watch and then he's going to say you know what's happened to it and it's in her bag um and the looks that she gives in that moment when she, you see on her face this sense of oh my god did i do that i am a kleptomaniac i am what he says oh my god i'm going mad i'm losing my sanity and she can't even contain it anymore and she has to shout out and um then she's like oh my god now i'm losing control of myself and she has to leave and her nerves are all a wreck and it was just a stunning performance and it was one of those moments where you think she is really teetering on the edge of what she can accept from out of this situation like she is so close to potentially even losing her sanity because he is actually twisting and manipulating the situation um, and herself so much and I think what made everything so poignant for me is earlier in the film towards uh, the beginning of this the moment when they come back uh, to the London house she says I found peace in loving you to I think it was, or it might have been right before they went back to the London house, but she says that to him. And then like the, the, the cruel twist of fate for her character, that the one person that she has found some sense of relief and um, uh, peace with uh, from the, the fear that she's had ever since um, her aunt's murder has gone unsolved many years before. I think it's 10 years before she, finally has found peace and felt felt like she found love with someone and it is the worst person because it's somebody who has targeted her um to be able to systematically tear her down um, and tear down her sanity it's like the saddest thing and then you can see it in her face when she um is going through these these stages of being manipulated and and being gaslit you know these that you can see where she came from and why she might keep coming back to him and hoping that they have these like romantic moments because you can see where she was coming from. She has this like elation dance in the living room when he says he's going to take her out. And you can see that she's so happy in that moment because it's what she wanted out of her marriage to go out with her husband and enjoy his presence and, and be together. And yet there is she's being systematically taken down all because of his own greed because he is with her to be able to try and steal some jewels that his aunt had that were uh, incredibly famous and rare jewels and that he in fact was the murder of, murderer of her aunt well this is i think i think that it shows the two like the, these two paths so so well where there's the one side where you the majority of people are abused and are taken advantage of and uh, manipulated by people they love the most yeah. because it's 
it's it's so easy to be abused and manipulated if you are in love or love someone whether it be in love or whether it be a parent or or whatever it is that's that's the most common form of abuse because you trust them and especially the people who are meant to take care of you meant to look after you like yes. whether it be parents or a spouse those people are meant to be there for you and lift you up and and mm. and protect you from the bad not be the bad and yet so often we see that as the people who fuck you over the most um but then you've also got the other side of it where he has targeted this woman yes he has he has zeroed in and to be honest if this was a slightly different film not about like marital uh, like gaslighting and abuse he has planned one of the best heists of all time he nearly (laughs) got away with it he did like and he did it so well he executed it so well like if we changed this and put fucking george clooney in there and did an oceans 8 film like version of this like he nearly got the jewels <laughs> like yes, he, he planned it to a t very close very close and also i think what was brilliant we haven't really talked about him but joseph cotton's character who is this detective person at scotland yard and he by chance comes across um paula and charles boy gregory um <laughs> i can't remember his name for a moment um uh, when they are on a trip to the tower of london um and he had met or been obsessed with um paula's aunt and uh he feels like he's the dead has come to life uh, in, in in recognizing her and that sparks his interest in this cold case of the aunt not um her, her murder not being solved and it is through that small window of chance that anybody even notices what is happening to this woman and it is literally on the night that um gregory um finds the jewels that um this detective guy i cannot remember his name joseph cotton uh the actor (laughs) he specifically (laughs) uh comes to her house and um tells her proves to her well not proves but um justifies or vindicates her in that the the gaslight is dimming the noise is there above um above her she's not hallucinating those things and that he's worked out that um gregory is is going through a vacant house and climbing into the boarded up attic room which has all of her aunt's belongings so that every night he can go in there and rifle through all her stuff looking for the jewels that he was unable to get on the the day that he murdered her aunt because first of all he didn't quite know where they were and second of all he was interrupted by Paula coming down the stairs and witnessing the murder um so it is through these small windows of chance that anything happens to save this woman. And I feel like, I'm not sure if it was like meant to uh, be a comment on how sometimes it is incredibly rare for people to truly see what's being, what is happening in these circumstances because so much of it is done behind doors or whether it was just put into the play and the, and, and the film um, as a way to build tension that he's always just on the cusp of of understanding what's going on. Um, maybe it's both. Maybe it's just a tension one. I don't know. Um, but I do think that 
it still resonates today. Um, this idea that so many people are literally trapped in their houses or trapped in their relationships like this woman is. Um, and so few people are able to really witness um, what is going on and able to see that even if she is behaving perhaps strangely or differently to how she had before, that this is not something that has happened to her naturally. It's happened because this man is abusing her. Yeah, and I think that it did it so well where it is this like last second, if he hadn't have come that night, she would have been sent away, he would have gotten the jewels and his whole master plan would have been like completely tick done we've done that perfectly we've executed it to perfection one thing i would have loved to see though and i know this would have taken away from that whole that's the big climax of the film where like you're like oh my god are they gonna get him are they not like what's happening but i would have loved to have seen the the moment that she is like vindicated in her her oh wait i'm not going crazy i'm not losing my mind and that this is really happening. I would have loved to have seen more of a a breakdown there and more of her, like that that relief, but also fear of what's next flooding through. I would have loved to have seen that for a longer period of time rather than them, them running through the house trying to find where he is. I would have loved to have seen a bit more on that. Because yeah. that feeling of, of when you're like, am I losing my mind? Because this person that I love and trust is telling me that none of this is real. And then suddenly someone's saying either, whether it be like this, no, this is happening right now, you are correct. Or whether it be what normally is the case of, oh no, I remember that the way you remember that as well. You are correct. You were abused or you were whatever it is. That feeling of, of like it's all the feelings you could possibly experience at once. Like you've got the relief of being like, oh, I'm, I'm not losing my mind, this is real. But then you've also got that grief of, oh, so what I think is happening is happening or has happened and now I actually have to mourn it or, or deal with it. And, and I'm also losing the person that I thought I was in love with. I, like, I would have loved to have seen a bit more on that. I think that by the end, like, I do think a few things were maybe a little more rushed than they could have been. But I do think that what is portrayed really well is how fatigued she is by this constant um, questioning of her own sanity and of the reality around her. And she is genuinely so fatigued. So she's almost like weary um, by everything that's been happening. And I think perhaps that's why we don't get to see more. I think some of it is plot because they want to kind of move it on and get to... Um, are they going to catch him sort of thing, keep the tension going. But I think some of it is that she is just so fatigued because she believes the detective, Joseph Cotton, Cotton Guy, can't remember his name, um, she believes him when he says, I can see that the gaslight is going down because your husband is turning the light on upstairs and the gas is being flowed in a different direction. Um and I do hear the noises above you, and this is what is happening, and he details everything to her, and she feels so relieved in that moment um, to feel that she is uh, not imagining things and not hallucinating, and 
you do see a little bit of her shock that that is what has happened. Perhaps she yes. hasn't yet fully processed it. Um, but you also see this weariness, which allows her to very quickly, very easily be manipulated again by her husband when he comes back into the house um, because she is so fatigued that she almost doesn't have any resistance left in her by this point. Um, and I think that's why she has such a, a maybe low um, energy response to um, like the revelations of what's been happening. Oh, and I think I think that's such a normal thing in in a lot of cases when when it comes to this sort of abuse, um, or any sort of abuse to be honest. But you get to the point where you are so worn down that you don't have the emotional capability or energy anymore mm. to show in the moment the the true feelings that you are having, the true relief, the true grief, the true like whatever it is that comes up. So I think a lot of the times it is a delayed reaction. Yeah, um, or an inability to fully comprehend what's happening. Yeah, and it might be it might be years of therapy later until you do get to the yes. point where you fully realize the the feelings that you had in that moment and going forward. So I think it is very realistically done in that sense. I just personally love that big moment of like grief and release and everything so I, that, that for me that was I was just like oh it would have been so good if we got that mm. but I think also it was played really well in the in the sense that she had this moment and then immediately had to suck it all back in and lock herself in her room because her husband was coming yes and, I think and then that that had was... to confront him and then he very easily because she's feeling vulnerable in that moment is able to try and convince her, even though he knows that he's been caught, convince yeah. her that, you know, everything's wrong that she believes. Well, it's that thing as well. It, 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 when you're caught in a lie, do you go, do you hold your hands up or you do you double down? And, well, he's, he's he, committed he, a lot of crimes. <laughs> well, this is, well, not only that, but like, even if you take it to like a smaller level, if you do get caught in any sort of lie, whatever it is, as as like as yeah. as you, not as like this big murderer, robbing, marital bigamist, yeah, whatever. Like if you just caught <laughs> get caught in a lie yourself, like do you double down or do you hold your hands up? Like it's it's such a human reaction if you've been caught doing something wrong, yeah, to immediately get defensive or immediately blame someone else. It's such a human reaction, and I think it's so fascinating to see it on a bigger scale and yet brought down to this just two people in a room well one thing i particularly loved was um well i really loved the end it's not exactly the ending but close to the end when she is able to confront him when he has been tied up and he has been arrested and she is left alone and he still he still tries to manipulate her into setting her free Yes, and this moment, I was like, "Oh, this bitch, I love her." Um, when... Same. Oh my god, I know. <laughs> I was like, "Yes." When he's like, "Get that knife and cut me out of this robe," and she's like, "What? This knife? This knife isn't even here. I'm hallucinating. I'm not seeing it. Are you seeing yeah. something? Are you hallucinating?" I was like, "Oh my god!" Yeah. Like she's it's like she's not doing it like to actually gaslight him. She's actually identifying with him i know exactly what you've been doing to me you yeah. fucking asshole um yeah. and it was although it wasn't as 
built up and as big as it could have been, I felt like, oh, it's so nice for her, for us as an audience, to see her start to gain some control back and get some power back. And it was really important because if they hadn't had that scene, we would have just ended with like, oh, this poor weak woman who is forever damaged. And she will be, have have a lot of damage from this scenario. But the fact oh, that maybe, she... Maybe some slight trust issues there. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, but she definitely um, comes into her own and is like, uh, you bitch, what the fuck? Yeah, that, was, <laughs> that, that scene alone... For me, I was just like, yes, like you, you've taken everything that he's done and you've basically just spat it back in his face. Oh, it was so good. It was, it was so vindicating and it was so like, oh, it was just, yeah, I, you just, you felt so in that moment and you felt so with her in that moment. Yeah. And every single thing she said, you were like, yes, more, like do it. Yes. And you could see him sat there like squirming. You were like, you deserve this in a hundred times more. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, if this was in the what, 1870s, I think it was meant to be set. So uh, your boy got hanged probably for this. <laughs> so um, I, I think he both got his stated. Both of us have stated previously that we are against the death penalty. Um, but he deserved to be fucking punished for this. <laughs> like... Yeah. He yes, I'm just saying like that's just a, a state of the time. Oh, I know he would have. Oh well, I mean the death penalty was definitely around. I would assume that he probably would have got that. If not, he went to prison or maybe even some transportation. I can't remember when that ended. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, I'm terrible with dates. <laughs> but um, definitely, he he got his comeuppance in some sense. The other thing that I really enjoyed was. Um, the camera shots in particular that like there was a lot of close-ups which I particularly of um Ingrid Bergman which I felt was really brilliant at being able to show the nuances in her facial expressions and that she was delivering but in that uh scene towards the end where uh she's met with Joseph Cotton he's then supposedly left her husband comes into the house he brings her into his office or into his bedroom, whatever it is, to talk about the fact that she has supposedly broken into his desk. Yes. And she's being drawn down again. And we can see that there's nobody there except these two. And we think, oh no, what's going to happen? And then it turns around and suddenly Joseph Cotton is in the doorway. Um, just yeah. these ways where it just allowed, you know, for you to feel like, oh no, she's in this this struggles she's alone again she hasn't got the strength to stand up to him because of how he's treated her and then it's almost like the savior um it kind of it turns around and he is there but it's done in such a subtle way where a moment before there was no one in the doorway and then suddenly when you go back there is someone there and just staring at the situation um and then of course he interrupts and he he kind of comes in to kind of save the day uh which I also think shows the ease in which getting in and out of that house was. Mm. So it shows the ease that the husband had to do that. Yes. Um, but yeah, I think I, I, I agree with you that there were certain this... shots that were just really cleverly used, considering how limited they were with the sets that they were using, because so much of it happened in the house. Um, 
Yeah. They were really good. And the at, equipment at the time. And the equipment at the time and, and, and lots of things. Uh, I felt that they really took advantage of what they could do and were able to make it cinema, cinematography um, of it look really beautiful. I, um, yeah, I think this was a very well-made film. To, to, down to like every aspect like the set design the the, oh, the costumes I love, the i love the, the set everything. design the set design yeah. um the fact that that house seems so claustrophobic i think and, really and yet, added to so big yeah it was so big and grand but claustrophobic because of there was so much everywhere and i feel yeah. like that must have been purposeful because it again added to the sense that she could couldn't leave this house and she was just yeah. surrounded and like and looking was... looking down the stairway yeah. where it, it kind of felt because it was almost like a spiral but not and yeah. it kind of felt like it was never ending like you couldn't leave you couldn't get out there was lots of like really subtle things that they had done and i just yeah. thought it was fantastic um and it's not it's not a surprise because george kukor did um lots of very impressive and well-known films he also did a uh, philadelphia story um, I believe he did My Fair Lady as well. So he's done lots of like really well-known and still well-regarded films um, today. Um, well, so for, for good reason as well. Clearly, they're, like, they're well-regarded for yeah. good reason because they are... Firstly, the storyline is, is great and holds up to this day, but just the way they are made... Yeah. Like, yeah, they, I think it deserved all of the accolade it got, to be honest. Thus. Yes, I'm, I'm definitely glad that that we were able to watch this one finally got it off my <laughs> i don't off, imagine off my list. <laughs> imagine if you'd recommended this and we were both like what a pile of shite <laughs> oh god i mean i was a little bit worried you've done that before first... no <laughs> excuse me the faculty is a great film okay <laughs> i was not talking about that because you know i will never say anything against claire deval <laughs> <laughs> that is true i know i know you're talking about ginger snaps um <laughs> no 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 i was talking about a bishop the bishop's wife <laughs> Oh, look, sometimes I have questionable taste. Um, <laughs> that film, I enjoyed the first time round when I kind of absentmindedly was watching it. And I was like, oh, this could be a different Christmas film. And then watching it again, I was like, you know, under the scrutiny of, of, of you know, watching it for this. Yeah, it didn't hold up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, and But I mean, I love Cary Grant, so it was fine. Yeah, oh. no, I, but I, I am very glad that you recommended this film. I say recommended. You chose, you picked this film. Yeah. Um, because not only do I know that it would have been, if if I ever got around to watching it, it would have been decades from now. Because um, <laughs> I procrastinate like a bitch. Um, but I'm yeah, I'm glad I watched it. I'm glad I saw young Angela Lansbury. Um, oh, who isn't glad about that? Yeah. Honestly, like, <laughs> she uh, one of the most fucking talented women. She's incredible. She is brilliant. Um, and she's still going. As in, like, yes. act, she's still acting. She was... I, yeah, I, I figured how... you didn't mean she still has a pulse. <laughs> like... Yeah, I thought that, that would be a bit insensitive, wouldn't it? Um, but she was in... Um, so obviously, this is a couple of years ago, because it's pre-pandemic. Um, but she was in Mary Poppins Returns. So she yeah. was, you know, she's still turning up in things. Yeah, and she's done a lot in, like, the the West End and stuff. Because mm. I know when I was working in the West End, she had a show on at the time, and she would like walk past the street sometimes, and everyone was like, "Oh my god, look who it is!" Like, <laughs> me included. <laughs> yes, but also I just love that she's just walking down the street in London. Honestly, she's amazing and you know internationally famous. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad that you chose this though, because 
it's I think it really does show the the how fragile the mind is and how oh, yeah. easy it is for people to fucking abuse us. And by us I don't just mean women, I mean in general anyone any gender all genders how fucking fragile we are and how easy it is to be abused and manipulated and and question your own fucking sanity well even even watching this film i felt a little under the spell of of what was happening to her um you know a little bit kind of taken in by can you trust everything that you saw him doing because you we didn't see so many of the sleight of hands that he was doing and therefore, we as the audience are also able to participate unwillingly in this kind of uh, sense of being lied to or manipulated. Even the camera yeah. is manipulating the situation to us. Yeah. Even the director is manipulating the situation to us. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, there was definitely times when I felt a bit unnerved by what was happening. Um, it was not yeah, pleasant. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. It's, yeah, it really, like... For a film to be able to fuck with your psyche a little bit, I love. Yeah. I oh. love that. And especially when it's a film that is all about questioning psyche. Um, like, I just think, yeah, I think they did that so well. And and, and I, I'm not really into horrors and things like that. And I didn't, I wouldn't say that this is a horror film per se. Um, but it's maybe more of a thriller. Um, but I like that there weren't really any cheap shots in this. It We were just meant to follow her journey of of unraveling so i think a lot of the time with horror films horror is such a sparse genre that people you say that something is a horror because it does technically fall in that but a lot of the time the scarier ones are the psychological thrillers yes and i think that's what i would this agree was. same as same as something like silence of the lambs which i haven't it seen. is no but it is on my list to make you watch because it's fucking <laughs> amazing but it's much more of a psychological thriller and yes obviously there's bits where people like skin women but like the of course the part it's your average it, everyday film every film should have it <laughs> um, but the, the 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 scary part for me has always been the psychological thriller part where this is something that is realistic that happens and could happen to you yeah whereas when it's like you're only a few choices away from something like this happening to you and whether it be a choice that you actively make or if someone seeks you out like in this film yeah that's true like you the the most people are murdered by their spouse or at least like the majority of people are mur murdered by someone they know and then it's added extra by your spouse like that's the majority of of murders are people you know or your spouse so the fact that yeah, you obviously you make the choice to marry someone, but what if they fucking hunted you down and manipulated you into falling for them like this? They've chosen you because of your certain personality type that they know they can manipulate. Yeah, or because yeah. they you've got something they want. Yes. It's, yeah, it's, it's just, a scary world out there. It really is, and I fucking <laughs> love watching people like going through all of this shit and then giving that person their comeuppance. Like, oh, like what knife? What are you talking about? <laughs> like in a fictional <laughs> setting, I hope. Oh, oh my God! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I probably should have clarified. <laughs> just because you love true crime so much, I just wanted to clarify whether it's uh, more of a fictional setting that you love to watch it. 
Yes, no, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I really do need to start like finishing full sentences when I say them out loud. <laughs> I need to realise yeah. people are not in my brain. Yeah. But if I were, would I move things you around would not and like manipulate it? it? <laughs> Please do, because it is broken. <laughs> so, moving on. <laughs> what is your choice for next week? Okay, so, I have chosen something uh, very depressing. Uh, I've chosen something that we've both seen. Uh, I've chosen The Laramie Project. Oh, I, yeah. haven't, I haven't seen that since we were teenagers. Yeah, I mean the cast alone is phenomenal. Well, it's Plus, got Claire Deval. Claire Deval. It? <laughs> <laughs> I knew that's where you were going. Oh uh, God. Yeah, it's it's Ooh. a tough watch. It's uh, and but I think it's such a fascinating film in the way it's done. Obviously, we'll talk about it uh, next week. But yeah, yeah, um, I definitely want to revisit that. Yeah, I'm going to be sat there with at least two boxes of Kleenex because fuck my life, I bawled like a baby whenever I watch it. I haven't seen it literally since we were teenagers. So it's been oh, see, many, many years. I've um, seen it a few times. Get your like, tissues uh, ready unless you're completely dead inside. <laughs> but mental note to me, try and pick something really fun and jovial for the following week. <laughs> you mean not something about hate, crime and murder? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh well, clearly we're on a roll, aren't we? Uh, I, mean, I think this podcast just kind of shows our mental health, like wherever it is. So sometimes <laughs> we're like, oh, but I'm a cheerleader, yeah, and then we're like, death, destruction, gaslighting, despair. <laughs> oh dear. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm I'm looking forward to rewatching that one. I haven't seen it, as I said, in many a year, and um, I don't remember. I remember bits of it, but I don't remember all of it. Um, so I definitely think it'll be a nice one to revisit and it's also awesome. not a really big film so it'd be a nice one to kind of talk about because it's not a blockbuster Agreed. or anything is it No. So... and don't get me wrong I fucking love a blockbuster but this is yeah I like that this is like a sort of smaller independent film and the way it's filmed is just fascinating for me the whole storyline behind it is fascinating mm-hmm. so yeah well, I'm, I'm excited it'll be good excellent yeah. so uh, thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, follow along uh, on our Instagram at Heavenly Features Pod. Uh, and remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Woo! Yes. And we will see you next week. See you then. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. And you can follow us on Instagram at Heavenly Features Pod. You can also email us at heavenlyfeaturespod at gmail.com. And you can also find us at 18maidenlane.com. Thanks for listening. Bye. This podcast was brought to you by 18 Maiden Lane Productions.